When disaster strikes like it did at the recent Minneapolis bridge collapse, how does an emergency response physician know what to do? You're listening to a special report on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And with me is Dr. Mark Contarado, emergency physician who was called to the scene to assist with the rescue and recovery. Dr. Conorado and I are discussing the importance of planning and coordination during a disaster like the bridge collapse. Dr. Conorado, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Gloom. How long have you been an emergency response physician? I've been an emergency response physician at North Memorial for 15 years. And when were you first notified of this bridge collapse? I was notified probably about 45 minutes after the initial collapse had occurred. I was notified via my emergency pager. And where were you at the time? I was at home. And so what was your responsibility when you got that call? My responsibilities, I called into our dispatch center and learned the extent of the accident. And I have basically a jump bag with all my equipment that I need. Normally in the back of my vehicle, I have my normal tools of the trade, which would be IV kits, amputation equipment if needed, oxygen. Uh, I also am part of Minnesota's Task Force One, which is an urban search and rescue unit. Dr. John Hick, Dr. Sadley, Dr. Lolja, and Dr. Ho are all physicians in this group, too. I also threw my search and rescue gear in the back of my vehicle, and I collected my next-door neighbor, who's actually a diver for the Hennepin County Dive Team. He had been called down as well, so we both went down. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a Subaru Outback. So you have four-wheel drive in case you need something important like this? Yes, it's probably the only Subaru Outback you'll find with lights and sirens. What was your role at this scene? When you got there, describe what was going on and what you were supposed to do. When I got to the scene, it was spread over a relatively broad area. Because of the nature of the bridge collapse, you had to have at least two separate sites active. You had to have one active site on the north side of the river and one active site on the south side of the river. I contacted uh, Dr. Hick, who was overall medical control at that time. I asked him where he would like me to go and what assistance I could be with him. So he directed me to the south side of the river, the south side upstream command center, where the Minneapolis police had set up their command center, and which was also by the American Red Cross building, where a number of victims had been brought initially after the collapse. What was the first thing that you did when you got there? First thing I did when I got there is made the contact with one of the paramedic supervisors who was at the scene, took stock of our resources, what we had as far as ambulances and medical resources, how many casualties and victims we currently were working with, trying to expedite their transport to the uh, local hospitals, also to triage the patients who were there to see were they in need of immediate transport or could they be grouped to go with a... uh, basic life support ambulance rather than advanced life support ambulance if their injuries were minimal, what we would call the walking wounded. By the time I got there, most of the serious casualties had been uh, already transported. There were a few people coming in who needed to be evaluated. Uh, At that point, we had a huge number of volunteer resources. Because of where the bridge is located, it was about three to four blocks from the University of Minnesota's medical center only about a half mile from Hennepin County Medical Center. 
So we had uh, a large number of volunteer resources who showed up spontaneously to help at that point. And was that a good thing, a neutral thing, or a bad thing? That was a good thing. When you have something like this that really increases your options and you really have the extra manpower you need to take care of just about any eventuality that comes along. And how do you deal with the difference between trained personnel and disasters like you and untrained volunteers that are coming from the University of Minnesota? For us, it's when we have this many volunteers show up, we do the most crucial direct medical intervention, but then we also can step back and now direct these people to take over other tasks that may come up. You may take one of these persons and say, okay, you, I want you to hold pressure on this wound. I want you to stabilize this person's neck until we can get them properly into a cervical collar and backboard. I want you to monitor the rate of this IV flow so you can have a number of people helping. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to a special report on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and with me is Minneapolis emergency response physician, Dr. Mark Contarado. What was your primary responsibility in this disaster? Are you in organizational medicine or are you in treatment medicine? I am mainly in treatment medicine. At this point, I do some of the organizational work. Dr. John Hick from Hennepin County Medical Center has really been the lead in our area in helping with the organization of our activities and our resources and has done a very good job. When I got to the scene, as I said before, Dr. Hick was already on scene. The response had gone so well that we had all serious casualties were gone from the scene pretty much by the time I arrived. The bridge collapse was about 6.05. By about 8 o'clock, just about everybody, including the minimally injured or the walking wounded, had been triaged and dispatched to medical centers. At that point, I went into a secondary role. As I mentioned before, I'm one of the physicians for the Urban Search and Rescue Unit. At that time, we had assembled all our teams from the Urban Search and Rescue Unit, and I sort of put on my other hat and took my gear and went with our search and rescue teams down to the north side of the river, and at that point we started putting search teams out onto the bridge work that was in the water, and we were starting to put search teams to investigate the void spaces underneath the collapse to look for survivors. And at that point my role changed in that I had dual roles in that I was myself and two of the special medics who were there were to be called in in case they found survivors who were in need of emergent medical attention. And our secondary role is to make sure that the rescuers are not injured and are well hydrated, have nutrition, and that they are resting themselves properly to avoid either heat-induced injuries or injuries from fatigue. Describe the scene when you got there as you saw it. What was the daylight like? What was going on there? What did you see? What did it look like? When I got to the scene, there were, of course, a number of bystanders who were lined up on the shore, and there are two smaller bridges that go across the river at that point. There were a number of bystanders watching. There were also a number of people who were bystanders who were either trained as first responders coming down to help. When I got there, the uh, Minneapolis police had actually had the area blocked off quite well and we're organizing avenues for emergency response vehicles such as fire and uh, ambulance to get down to the scene. And at that point, we're helping to direct resources to the proper areas. 
the immensity of the scene was stunning. I mean, for many of us, this was a bridge we, uh, in Minneapolis and mainly in Minnesota, had at one point uh, or another traveled on extensively. And to see this completely collapsed and in the water was breathtaking, to say the least. Were you surprised that with the scope of that collapse that there weren't more casualties? I was initially until I started reading uh, more about what was going on and speaking with the police and fire officials who were on the scene. I did not realize that two lanes going in each direction had been closed down on the bridge. So this really limited the number of vehicles and occupants of the vehicles who were at risk. Secondly, when you realize that the way the bridge dropped, it did not drop as I would expect. It would not drop at one end, that hit the bottom, and then the other end dropped. It dropped in a unified segment with the middle segment essentially dropping straight down vertically. So as the steel truss work underneath the bridge literally acted as a shock absorber to start to deaccelerate the fall of these of the victims. Also, the victims were sitting upright in their vehicles, so the vehicle's frame and shock absorbers and seats acted to deaccelerate their fall. Similar to the uh, barrels you see that are on exits and on the highway, where if somebody doesn't make the exit and they hit the barrels, they don't go directly into the concrete work. They hit these barrels, which deaccelerate the vehicle. And it seemed very similar to that. Had you ever prepared for this kind of a disaster in any of the drills that you've done? No. This is one of the things we discussed. We have prepared for biological weapons attacks. We've prepared for chemical spills. We've prepared for airline crashes. We've prepared for winter emergencies. We have never prepared for a bridge collapse. This combined the aspects of several different disasters. There was a collapse, there was water rescue, and there was land rescue, which were, so we had three different components we had to deal with. What I thought shown in this whole episode was that how well everybody responded. It was not a situation that we had prepared for, but the training was such that everybody knew their job. The response was outstanding. And the way the scene flowed between assessing patients, evacuating them, and the rapid response was, I felt, was excellent. So how does working at the scene of a disaster like this differ from your day-to-day job where you're working in the emergency room? Well, in an emergency room, it's a controlled scene. Some people would say it's a controlled chaos, but it is a controlled scene. You have good lighting, you have extra resources, you have trained personnel who are there, you usually have all the equipment you could want or need. In a scene situation like this, as you see things, you have to work as you go. You have, you have to involve more planning in that. You have to see the patient. You have to treat them in the field. You have to literally go through a mental checklist to say, what is going to be, what is the most serious problem with this patient first, and I need to treat this patient first and needs to treat these things first. Do I need to be controlled with bleeding? Do I need to be controlled with their airway? Do I need to be controlled with orthopedic injuries? In a situation like this, then you also have multiple casualties. Who needs to be treated first? Who needs to be evacuated first? Are there people you cannot save? 
And if those are people you cannot save, you have to conserve your resources for the people you can. When the entire span of the Interstate 35W bridge collapsed in Minneapolis, Minnesota, physicians knew how and where to report because of the disaster planning and training they had undergone. I want to thank our guest, emergency response physician Dr. Mark Cantorado of North Memorial Medical Center for providing a first responder vision of what happened during this tragedy in Minneapolis. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. You've been listening to a special report on the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.